um, right now, truly asking, Lord, for you to speak to us, your people. Speak now, Lord, for your servants are listening. Lord, we pray for every heart and mind that is here to be open to receive the power and the fruit of your word. Now, Lord, I ask you to use me as your vessel. Lord, I must decrease so you can increase to pour me out as you desire. In Jesus' wonderful name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Looking in, as our text, walking through Colossians, uh, first chapter, looking at verses 15 to 23, want to deal with the title, Still Number One. If you can help me announce that to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, Still Number One. For our hearing, I'm just going to lift a few verses from this first chapter. I am reading from the New Living uh, Translation. Those who are able, you're welcome to join us in honoring a reading of God's word. Also encourage you to get right there for that's where we will be, allowing God to minister to us uh, through his holy, holy word. Reading at, uh, looking at verse 15 first, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. If you join me down in verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Tell your neighbor as you take your seat, still number one. Looking at this text, I want to highlight to us that historians and scholars have looked at verses 15 to 20 in this great letter to the church in Coloss as a hymn writ uh, to Christ. Uh, there's a beautiful poetic structure that comes upon this. They have broken it up possibly maybe into two stanzas, some even three. And when we look at this, I will break it up into two, looking at verses 15 to 17 as the Lord over creation. And then verses 18 to 20, the Lord of new creation. As we look at this Lord of over creation and the Lord of new creation, we first must declare he is Lord. In declaring that he is Lord, Paul in this letter writes that Christ is is, y'all see it's present tense, is, not was, but is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus came to show us who God is. We, as understanding in this world, realize that sometimes we don't believe anything till somebody gives us evidence. Jesus came to give us evidence that God exists. He says, here I am. <laughs> he said it to the disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
the Gospel of John opens up, says we beheld his glory and his grace and his mercy when they're talking about how the word became flesh. And so when we understand that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, that word image is a familiar word in the Greek that we now know as an icon. An icon oftentimes is a symbol or image that reflects something. This same verbiage is used when they ask him whose image or who is on the coin. They will say Caesar. We'll render unto Caesar what is he, but give unto God what is God. They understood the image to be the likeness or something, but yet Paul is not just saying that this is their likeness or this is a copy, but this is an exact representation of God. He is supreme. How is he supreme? It says he existed before anything else. We have to understand that this church of Colossae was dealing with some issues of people maybe giving false teaching, false heresies, trying to, trying to remove the power and the supremacy and the authority of Christ. We might be hearing like that's not a, only their problem, that's our problem today. We know some people today that wants to tell you that Jesus is not who he is. He is not Lord. He was not the son of God. He was just a man. He was just a prophet. He was a messed up God that, that did all these different things. And, and they come up with lies and schemes to combat the truth of the word of God. But we need to point out to them that this word has remained true for 2,000 years. They've been trying to fight against it, but it keep on finding more evidence that contributes to the authenticity of Christ and who he is. And we have seen him walk on this earth. We have, we have monuments of, 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 of many historical things that are in the Middle East area that account to where he was. If they've been there over these years, the people have made temples and places all around, wouldn't they have found out by now is a waste of time? But the truth remains the same. Tell your neighbor, the truth remains the same. And the truth is that he existed before everything else came to place. And knowing that he is supreme and above and pre-existent, we also find out that he became visible so we can see the invisible. The song that says, I believe in a, in, in a miracle, I believe in the impossible, you know, it's about I can feel the intangible, <laughs> I can see the invisible. Basically, going about saying that I believe that God can do the impossible. I believe that God can do the inconceivable because we have understand that our God is able. Anybody here can testify that we have an able God, a God who's able to heal, a God who's able to protect, a God who's able to give peace, a God who's able to bring us through some trials and some tribulations, knowing that though I cannot see him, but the God who I cannot see is visible all around me. The heavens declare of his glory, <laughs> the stars, the sun, the moon declare of his glory so we can see how Christ has come to let us know that though you may not see him, he is among you. Look how much he loves you, that he decided to walk with you because he came so that we might see God through Jesus who created all things. And look what he made. He created so the things in heaven, right? And the things on earth. 
and and invisible as well that is visible. And then when you look at it, it says even things that are invisible, talking about thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. We might be familiar with this vocabulary, those who are familiar in Ephesians 6 chapter, talking about how we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, authorities, and dominion. But when Paul writes it in that text, in that context, he's dealing with evil. But here he's talking about Lord is over those who may have, because he talks later on in this letter about worshiping of angels, that those who you worship, those who you think are in control, he's above them. You know how some people get caught up that, that they, they get caught up too much that they get too much authority and power unto angels. And not realizing that these angels are only servant of the mighty living God. They report to him. They don't do anything on their own power, on their own authority. They're only from the authority and the power that God has given them. And Christ is over them. That's why when he was in a garden that Peter thought he had his back, he let her know that Peter, as good as you try to be, trying to cut off somebody's ear, I, I want you to know I have 12 legion of angels on standby. They're they ready to come down at my beck and call. All I got to do is just say the word. But, so Jesus letting him know that you think you got power, but all I got to do is just say. And so we realize that they respond to his power and his authority. How dare we fight against him? To say that you have no power, you have no place, you have no rule in my life when he's the ruler of everything. Because when we see that all things consist of him, y'all see them in verse 17? He existed before any, anything else, and he holds creation together. That's why we love the good old Negro spiritual that we teach to the children about he has the whole world in his hands. The simplicity of that theology to point out that God holds everything in his hands. That's why we can make it, because sometimes we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds. Tomorrow. That's why we can make it that the doctor says, I'm going to have the scalpel in my hand, but we understand that the doctor, I put you in God's hands. <laughs> and so no matter what you do, I'm trusting God to work it out, which you might mess up because we know man is fallible. Man does make mistakes, but God is perfect in all his ways. Can I help somebody and encourage them that though, though you may turn to him and things may not work out the way you want them to work out, I want to point out again, that's the way you wanted them to work out. But we need to know what Romans tells us, that we know, that we believe that God works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Which means it may not be how I want it to be. Well, Lord, I trust your will. I trust your desire. I trust your plan. I trust that you're going to work it out on my behalf. Anybody here understanding that you've been through some things in your life? Not knowing why you're going through this mess? Not knowing why you're going through these trials and tribulations. Don't know why the ones you let in close, the ones you love most, are the ones that give you the most pain, the, the most problems, the most headaches, the most trials. But yet you realize that, Lord, you can help me through this situation. Lord, I don't know what's going to do, what's going to, how it's going to work out. But, Lord, I'm trusting you to work it out because he's the Lord of the creation. And since he's Lord of everything, he created everything. Look, 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 look what's happening here. Do you understand that creation has failed? You know, when Adam sinned, that the earth was cursed. When Adam sinned, the earth was cursed. So it went from being a glorious 
beautiful place with no error to a place that started sprouting of thorns. That man now had to work and toil to get fruit for the rest of his days. Do you understand? Not only did man fall, the earth fell. And you understand, God created them both. And he created them for his glory. Not only did he create the heavens and the earth, and he created Adam and Eve for his glory, you can look at yourself and say, he made me for his glory. And when you understand the power and the purpose that God has made you, it starts bringing light to realize there's some things in your life that you need to not be a part of because it does not bring glory to your creator. We understand that when we put puzzles together, follow me here, when you get a puzzle in a box, you look at the picture, you look what it's supposed to be, you try to put it together. But when you have puzzle pieces that's in the wrong box, you know they don't fit. It's not going to bring a beautiful picture together because they don't fit in. What we oftentimes do, we try to make a new puzzle with the wrong pieces and try to figure why the picture doesn't look good. God has already given us what we need to bring glory unto him, but we're trying to bring other stuff up in here. Same situation, those who want to cook and follow ingredients and follow how you're supposed to bake something, but you add in your own ingredients, and you wonder why it doesn't come out right. Go and say, well, I did what it said, but what else did you do? Well, I added this in. Well, that's the problem. There's some things you just got to go exactly what it says for it to come out. But if you take something, you add something in or you taste something out and it does not add up, you can have nobody to blame but yourself for you did not follow the instructions. You did not follow the directions. Can I help somebody out that God has told you what to do? He has given you instructions. And when things are not working out, you can't blame somebody else. But you got to see, did Lord, did I follow your instructions? Because if he's Lord of everything, Lord of the new creation, look what happens. He's the firstborn of the dead. This makes him Lord of new creation. Lord of regeneration. Lord of new things. Because look what happens. He had to die to become preeminent to the head, to the body of the Christ, the church. And since he has become the head, the Lord, the, the ruler, the covering, he's also became Lord over all those that come to the body of Christ. Because, you know, those who are the body of Christ are new believers. Jesus came and says, you must be born again. And so in order for us to be born again, we must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And once we've confessed that he is Lord, we are now grafted into the body of Christ. Some of us understand some graft. Somebody might know somebody that had had a skin graft. That it takes some skin from somebody else and put it on you for it to grow and for you to be whole. Do you understand that God took us and grafted us in so that we could grow and become whole? Because he realized that we couldn't live by ourselves. And he brought us into his body to fresh so we would no longer be decaying and of no good. Same situation with those who harvest organs. When those become an organ donor, they take it out what is dead to put into what is living. Aren't you glad that God can take us out from being dead and put us into what is living? 
We understand here that, that this world is dead and decomposing and has nothing to offer. But Christ said, I, I died to redeem this earth, to reconcile you. You see those word in that text, reconcile more than once, because he took what was wrong to make it right. He made harmony. He made peace so that we can now have joy with God. Because when we look at this reconciliation he did, he reconciled things on earth and in heaven. Remember, earth fell. He reconciled. Do you understand that he's redeeming everything? Tell you that he's redeeming everything. That's why the revelation said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's why we're going to have a new glorious body. So while we're here, we are, as Romans says, that we are moaning and groaning as, as in labor pains, waiting for our regeneration, waiting for our change to come. Anybody here tired of trials and tribulations, tired of pain, tired of sickness, tired of suffering? What is Lord of this new creation promise that there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more death, but there'll be only life. Why, why is that, God? Because that's what my promise is to you. My promise is that I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I am Lord, and this is my declaration to those who come into my kingdom. I will bless you. Look how he blesses us. Look how he blesses us. He blesses us to give us peace. Look at verse 20. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace. Tell your neighbor, he made peace. When God reconciled us, he basically says, I now call you friend. Because you see how the shift goes at verse 21, how you were an enemy? <laughs> we were enemies. We were enemies in thought and in actions. That we have wicked thoughts, and, and, and we have to realize that, that it's by grace we have been saved, not by works, because wicked thoughts come all or all the time. That's why Jesus had to make sure to clear somebody up that thought that they were not committing adultery as they were looking lustfully into a maiden. He says, when you look lustfully unto the young maiden, you've already committed adultery in thine own heart. Modern day technology now, he would basically say, if, he was, if Jesus was speaking right now to the crowd right now, he would say, every time he get on the internet, And you start looking at all those pictures lustfully. You have already committed adultery in thine own heart. And someone said, well, I don't get on the internet. Well, every time you look at that TV show, staying late up at night watching those channels, you have committed adultery in thine own heart. Well, I have not walked out the action, but you've already made it up in your mind. And see, we, we, we need to realize that he wants our heart, our mind, our body, our soul. That we must surrender everything to him and realizing that, Lord, uh, since you are Lord, we now have given our mind over to you, our actions over to you. Why is that? Because he's number one. Because what we mean by he's still number one, look at his position. His position has already placed him number one. He is first of the resurrection. He existed before creation. He is the first to rise from the grave, never to die again. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He is the one who was, who is, who is to come. He is the everlasting God. 
He is the prince of peace. He is the I am, the self-existing one. He is pointing out to us that if you don't believe it, evidence speaks for itself. But look at here. I even came to show you my power and my authority so that you can choose to surrender. Because I want you to understand those who have not confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you say, I'm, I, and you're wondering, you know, what, what's involved? What do I have to do? Let me point out something to you. He has done all of the work. It says we are reconciled through his blood on the cross that made peace for us. Which meaning that somebody had to pay the price. The price for sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We understand wages. Wages is what you are owed. That's what you work for, and that's what you get paid. So we have minimum wage, and so therefore this is the minimum that is paid to you. So if you do this work, you'll get at least a minimum. If you do a good job, you just might get a raise. But you're guaranteed this. Uh, can I help somebody out? You are guaranteed death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. What do you mean through Christ Jesus? That means you have to be part of him and go through him. <laughs> to be a part of him means I too must die to this world. I too must be crucify my flesh and no longer live in this flesh, but live in harmony and, and in reconciliation and peace with the Lord and realizing that my mind should be changed, my actions should be changed, that I no longer talk as those who talk of the world, but my vocabulary is that that honors God. When you know your vocabulary is not honoring God, when you know when your actions are not honoring God. That's when we know that, Lord, I need to surrender this part of my life to you. These are the things that we have to do before the Lord. To realize, Lord, if you're number one, then I must be last. To, to realizing that if he's supreme and he's number one, he's all by himself, then we need to stop being me, 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 me. And start thinking, Lord, 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 Lord. When we realize where joy comes from, we realize where joy comes from is Jesus others than you. When we understand that he says that they will, they will know you are my disciple, how you what? Love one another. Then we understand that what it means of being faithful is being obedient to him. Jesus has done the work for our sake, so now we must do our work. What is our work? Our work is to be a follower and not just a fan. You know, there's that book out there. I encourage you to go out and get it, become, become a, uh, uh, be more than a fan because fans are fair weather. When it's good time, bad time, but a follower will stick through the good and the bad. We ought to be disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not just based on what's happening, but based on he's consistent, he's true, he's real. And so we realize this, that if I'm a follower of Christ, I am not passive. Passive is, is, is allowing things and accepting things that happen without an active response or resistance, but an active person was one who is engaging and ready to engage physically with energetic pursuits, with zeal and with enthusiasm. Can I help somebody out that if God has been so good to us, it should be evident in our actions and in our behavior. We tell people we love them, but they say, I can't tell by your actions. Let me say this. If, some, if you told somebody you love the Lord, would they think so if they showed up today at worship? 
were to look at your ass and say, oh, this person must love God. I can tell how they worship. Because are we being passive or are we being active? Our God is a relational God. Don't you want somebody to give you a hug, give you a high five, give you a handshake? When did you lift up your hands last to the Lord? <laughs> when, did you, when did you last wave your hand to the Lord? When did you ask, tell the Lord, I love you? When did you last time say, Lord, I just called to tell you thank you? We want somebody else to tell us that in this physical world, but yet it's hard for us to realize that our God desires the same thing. He wants a genuine relationship with us. Can you place him number one in your life? Because when you place him number one in your life, you realize that all this creation does not measure up to the creator. That yes, I can have more money, I can have more cars, I can have more this and more that, but all this stuff will pass and fade away. But God, he will remain. God's, God has already promised us that I will give you riches and glory that will last forever. That's why he told us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. He's already letting us know that I can, you can store your treasures where? In heaven where they will not destroy and decay. So when we place him, number one, and put him first in our lives, it's amazing how we keep our eye on the prize of the higher calling who's in Christ Jesus because he is before all creation. He is the visible of the invisible God. He is Lord of all, and look what he has done. He has reconciled everything back unto himself so that we might have life, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of everlasting joy and peace that comes from our, his eternal love. And this eternal love was demonstrated by his salvation for us. That's why so many people throughout the world may never read the Bible, but they're familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever whosoever that means anybody believes in him shall not perish shall not die shall not suffer eternal separation from god but they shall have everlasting life they will forever be in his presence do you not see that there in the text so that we might be in his presence that we'll be there holy blameless, without reproach. Y'all see that right there in verse 22? You see, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. What I like, what he's saying here is that you can, you can see that Christ has done the work for you in your life. You cannot do it, but he has done it for you. So he has, it says he has made you blameless. He has made you holy. How have we become blameless? How have we become well, by the blood of Jesus? It will never lose its power. The good old hymn said, what can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood. You know, that makes me white as snow. We understand that he can cleanse us and purify us. That you, you might be struggling with guilt, depression, and shame. Just turn it over to Jesus because he has reconciled us unto the Lord. That's why anyone who confesses, hallelujah, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Why is that? Because he has reconciled us. He's took wrong and made it right. He wants harmony in the body of Christ. He wants us grafted into the body for he is the head. He 
is number one, he wants you in. And when we understand this, we understand how we can look in the Old Testament, the blessing of Abraham. That we be the head and not the tail. We'll be the lender and not the borrower. Because look what he will give to us. He will give us power. He will give us strength. He will give us his glory. And, and, and his glory will come that we might have favor with others to share the, his glory to others. But you have to look at this, that he's made us a friend. How has he made us a friend? He's made us a friend that he came in the image of man, but in the fullness of God to die a horrible death on the cross to shed his blood for us. And when he died, the Pharisees, the Sadducees thought they had him defeated. They thought they had him down. But just like any good boxer, they know that if you can get up one more time, <laughs> A boxer knows that if you get up more than you get knocked down, you're going to win the fight. He got up. And, you know, if you, ever, if you ever watch boxing and they get down to the ring announcer about to announce who's the winner, and when you are the champion, when you are undefeated, there's a vocabulary you want to hear them say. And still, <laughs> undefeated undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, that's Jesus. No matter what we're going through in life, and still, he's number one. He is still supreme. He is still the power and the author, the authority, the creator. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. And so we can go through our life, no matter how many trials and tribulations come our life, we can remind ourselves, and still, he's number one. And still, he has all power. And still, he's undefeated. And still, he is my all in all. And so when you recognize it, look how we can walk differently now. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can quote all these things. He is my light. He is my salvation. He is a present help in the time of trouble. How can I keep on saying? Because he's still number one. <laughs> he's still undefeated. And so when we learn to surrender to him, look, 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 look how we can surrender to him. When we allow the Lord of lords, the king of kings, invade our lives. I said invade because we need to allow him just to take over. Don't say, Lord, I, I'll let you come in. Here's the guest room. No, take over everything. Change my heart. Change my mind. Change my actions. Change me, oh God. Invade and take me over. And when we allow him to do that, we start walking in his power. And we will show people our faithfulness, how we follow him, and how we have been transformed that we don't walk with evil thoughts and with evil actions, but now we start moving with love, gentleness, kindness, mercy, and gracefulness. Let's turn to him for prayer. Lord, we just come just grateful, oh God, that you are number one, that you are supreme, and that you are king. And now, Lord, we ask right now that you be the Lord of our lives. Father, forgive us for parts of our lives that we have not fully surrendered to you, Lord, it might be our vocabulary, it might be some books, it might be some music, it might be our internet. Father, Lord, but we just want to turn it over to you. May you be glorified, Lord. May you be magnified so that we be the better husbands, the better wives, the better fathers, the better mothers, the better brothers, the better sisters, 
the better followers of Christ. Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray right now they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart and that today they say, Lord, I want to be baptized. I want to come to you. Lord, minister to their hearts right now. You see them right where they are. And Lord, I pray right now they just turn it all over to you. And so, Lord, I make you number one in my life. I make you Lord of my life so that my heart, my mind, my life will change to be more like you, that you will cleanse me, you will redeem me, you will forgive me, and you'll give me the strength and the ability to keep on walking by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.